This is the voice of the Trumpet Magazine. News, economy, politics, trends, discovery, health, family, the Bible, the future. This is Trumpet Hour. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Joel Hilliker. Scenes out of Turkey and Syria right now are truly horrific after a series of major earthquakes struck earlier this week. As of yesterday, the death toll soared above 5,000 people. You had buildings that had been compromised by the trembler that have continued to fall, so that death toll is certain to rise even higher. In our last word today, we're going to talk about why this kind of incomprehensible suffering occurs. Why would a God of love allow this to happen? Also on today's show, we'll hear a report about bugs, specifically bugs in meat. Now, this is something the environmentalists and the, the people at the World Economic Forum just love. They don't want you eating steaks. They want you eating grubs and mealworms. Last month, the European Union introduced regulations that allow crickets and grain mold beetles to be processed in food. They've been moving in this direction for a couple years now. How soon before this stuff ends up on our plate, even if we don't want it? In our second segment today, we'll hear a report from trumpet writer Josue Michels about this. We're going to start, though, talking about music. Barack Obama tweeted this on December 23rd, 2022. I always enjoy sharing my end-of-the-year music playlist with all of you, and this year we heard a lot of great songs. Here are some of my favorites. Are there any songs or artists I should check out? And he has 26 songs on this list, and they're all young artists, many of them teenagers or in their 20s, a lot of rap, a lot of hip-hop, a lot of dance music, a lot of pop music. I I've really find it strange that a 62-year-old man is listening to this music. But a lot of these songs, most of the lyrics are unintelligible. They're loaded with slang and gibberish. They're full of foul language. Just about every song on this list has foul language in it. There's a lot of racially charged themes. There's a lot of violence discussed in these and firing guns. The videos, if you watch the videos of the musicians performing these songs, they're loaded with sexual imagery and partying and drug use and materialism, flaunting wealth, a lot of making fun of God, a lot of making light of the Bible, or openly hostile to God. There's also some demonism, some really bizarre stuff in this music. What is Barack Obama doing, advertising these songs? It's very strange. The fact that he's celebrating this and promoting this, it's very calculated. This isn't just an average guy who happens to be browsing Spotify and puts this on his Twitter account. This man is deliberately promoting an image. He's appealing to young people. He's showing just how hip he is, how connected he is. He's promoting certain causes that happen to be very destructive. He's doing this on purpose for a very specific reason. Now, Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 5 says, it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. 
the Song of Fools. Lang's commentary says this refers to the extravagant, boisterous, and immoral songs that are heard in the riotous carousals of foolish men. That playlist is full of the Song of Fools. You hear the Song of Fools everywhere today. It fills the airwaves. It fills the streaming services. Another appropriate term for it can be found in Psalm 69, verse 12, the song of the drunkards. How much are you listening to the song of fools? What about your children? Think about it. This verse says it's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer to hear rebuke from someone wise Or would you rather listen to the song of fools? This verse is contrasting a way that leads to life and a way that leads to death. The song of fools is a fleeting pleasure. It's like junk food. It's meant to appeal instantly to you with that sweet beat, the catchy tune, captivating vocal, the clever lyric. It's crafted to grab you and to stick in your mind. You know, the most... Uh, hooky part of that song is is actually called the hook it gets its hooks into you but just like junk food it isn't good for you in fact it can be pretty toxic and this is this is what the carnal mind wants we don't want to hear rebuke from the wise we don't want correction we just want something that kind of numbs the mind and it makes us feel good and young people are especially susceptible to this i think it's easy for us to underestimate just how powerful a grip music can have on a young mind look in amos 6 there's a really important prophecy here where God condemns his people in the end time for materialism, for excess. That chapter starts by saying, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. These are people who are at ease when they should be keenly alert. It says in verse 3, You that put far away the evil day. This is talking about the fact that the world around us is about to collapse the end of this age of man is almost here and yet people aren't dealing with that reality they're just acting like well the world is going to go on and on and they're getting caught up in its luxuries and its delights and its excesses you read in verse 4 all of these luxuries they lie upon beds of ivory they stretch themselves on their couches they eat the lambs out of the flock and then verse 5 says they sing idly to the sound of stringed instruments and invent for themselves musical instruments like david there's something wrong with the music that they're listening to and it it looks righteous these are instruments like king david the you know man after god's own heart but It's all in the wrong spirit. I want to talk about a few spiritual realities that most people are totally unaware of. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 14 says that Satan poses as an angel of light. He's very good at packaging things to look or sound good, to sound alluring, But we need to be aware, we need to discern when he's involved in something, when he's behind something, and stay away from that. 
Here's a, another really important truth about this subject. Ezekiel 28 shows that God created Lucifer with superior music skills. Did you know that? Lucifer was a skilled musician. And for a long time, he used that skill to serve God. But then he rebelled against God. He fought against God, and he became the adversary. He became perverted. God changed his name to Satan the devil. And we have to realize the devil is still skilled at music. And it's still a powerful tool he uses. But he uses it for evil purposes. Hebrews 5 and verse 14 Uh, The Apostle Paul says that we need to exercise our senses to discern both good and evil. We need godly discernment. We need to recognize when something is good for us and when it's bad for us. When it's bad, we need to stay away from it. Now, sometimes that that can be pretty easy to discern. You know, it, it might be just blatantly evil but there are other times when it, it's, it's not so easy to discern. We have to exercise that discernment. Think back to the Garden of Eden and the lesson of the two trees. You had the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God revealed which was which. You can read all about this in Genesis 2. He revealed that because the fact is you couldn't tell just by looking at them. You know, Eve looked at the forbidden fruit and it looked good. Everything seemed fine. She couldn't discern just through her senses that this was actually something that would kill her. Can you tell the difference between the tree of life and the tree of death? And when it comes to music, which tree is the music that you like to listen to from? Is it from the tree of life or the tree of death? And again, what about your children? What are they listening to? There's a lot of music out there that is a mixture of good and evil. And a lot of that is targeted at young people. And Paul says, exercise your senses. That means we've got to train ourselves to discern good and evil. It's not just doing whatever feels right. It's not listening to whatever happens to sound good. It's actually looking into it with a critical eye and making sure, is this really appropriate? And young people need help with this. They, they tend to have even less discernment than older people about what's right and wrong. You know, parents, you've got to intervene and help your children develop discernment. You've got to train their judgment. They have to learn how to make right decisions for themselves about these things because they're not always going to have dad and mom standing over them and helping them. Another prominent leader who shared his favorite music of 2022 was Carl Theodore zu Gutenberg. He he released an album of his favorite 12 albums, top 12 albums of 2022. Now, this is a man who, like Barack Obama, this is a man that the Trumpets editor-in-chief, Gerald Fleury, has told us to watch because of the role that he could play in some pretty nightmarish end-time events. I'll link to an article in the show notes about this man if you want more information. But here are his top 12 albums of last year, and most of his favorite albums were pop music. And a lot of the same names came up on that that list from Barack Obama. And there's a real theme in this music of demonism and hatred for America. There's one album that he uh, really likes. It's from a band called Spoon. The, The name of the album is Lucifer on the Sofa. 
It's literally, he's talking about Lucifer, and this is what the lead singer and the the chief songwriter said about this song. The Lucifer on the sofa is me. It's the worst of me that can come out in times of distress or stress or anxiety. Everybody can kind of become the person they don't want to be, and I was dealing with that person in the song. This is two sides of the same person. That's what the, the lead singer said about this album that Carl Theodore Zu Gutenberg just loves. Another album that he had on his list is by a 24-year-old uh, who was born Hayden Silas Anhedonia. He was born in a Southern Baptist family. When he was 12 years old, he came out as a homosexual. Age 16, he left the church. Age 20, he became transgender. And now he goes by the name Ethel Kane. Now, this, this, this guy has a tattoo of the Hebrew names of Gabriel, the archangel, and Ashmedai, the king of all the demons. He has it tattooed right on his hairline. This is what uh, KCRW.com said. Ethel Kane's new album, Preacher's Daughter, tells the saga of a character in the South exploring her experiences with faith, family, demons, and death. One article said this, if you're someone who's critical of America, religion, your identity, and the people that seem to shape you into the person you are today, I highly recommend Preacher's Daughter. Now, Barack Obama and Carl Theodore Zu Gutenberg agree. They love it. This is a fantastic album, best of 2022. And you listen to the number one song on this album, and, it, and it's fairly nice. If I, if I heard my kids listening to that and I wasn't really paying attention, I probably wouldn't think twice about it. But what you have here is a male who thinks he's a female, who has a demon's name tattooed to his face, and he's singing lyrics like, what I wouldn't give to be in church this Sunday, God loves you, but not enough to save you, so baby girl, good luck taking care of yourself. He says, Jesus, if you're listening, let me handle my liquor. And Jesus, if you're there, why do I feel alone in this room with you? You have to be able to discern evil when you hear it. And again, sometimes it sounds pretty good. Satan usually doesn't present himself as just pure evil. Although more and more you see there's an awful lot of music out there these days that's blatantly evil you may have heard about the grammys this past sunday the grammy awards uh, these these are meant to recognize outstanding achievements in the music industry this is considered the most prestigious award in the music industry worldwide well at the ceremony this past sunday there was a performance by two men one of them calls himself gender fluid the other is a, a famous transgender uh individual from germany the the lead singer in this performance he was dressed like satan and all around him you had demons dancing around in provocative ways now something like that that is a totally blatant disgusting display of pure evil and there were a lot of people who were upset by this and they said well what what are the grammys doing promoting this kind of demonism but then i i saw one tweet that said uh, everyone is screeching about the tired played out warmed over quote edgy sam smith does satan routine done hundreds of times before by madonna marilyn manson etc but no one is mentioning that the show ended with 
an eight-minute rap song about God. So, you know, <laughs> this person is saying, and there were quite a few people that tweeted something similar. Like, why are you upset and why are you acting like it's all about Satan when they're talking about God as well? What is that talking about? Well, the song that they're talking about, this eight-minute song, it's not a song about God. It's not the real God of the Bible. It's a song that repeatedly takes God's name in vain, and it's about vanity. It's about self-worship. This song is loaded with profanity. So for people to look at that and say, well, hey, you know, they're, they're singing about God. This is righteous. It, it's just stunning that that's the way they would view it. They're eating from the tree of death, and they think that it's good for food. You look at the Grammys. You look at who the Grammys exalt, and all of these musicians, they're all promoting LGBTQ. They're pushing drug use and racism and all kinds of ungodly themes. All of these are just everywhere in popular music today. You, you see that all over the place. And some of it sounds terrible. Some of it is, is rank and it's full of foul language and, and so on. But again, there's quite a lot of it that sounds pretty good. You know, it sounds, it sounds like maybe kind of upbeat pop music. There's even country music out there that, you know, it's, it's not like your father's country music or your grandfather. It's, it's just as rank but it's, it's got that country vibe to it. You've got to look into these things. You, you can't just go with whatever s- sounds pretty cool. We have to be able to exercise our senses and build character by, by exercising judgment about these things. So how can you know whether the music is something you should listen to or not. We have an article at thetrumpet.com that was written by Ryan Malone. He's the music director for activities at uh, Herbert W. Armstrong College. The, The name of this article is, Are You Listening to the Right Music? And I'll link to this in the show notes for the program today. And this article talks about three types of music. Uh, first, you've got fine art music. That's you know music that is like classical music from people who are highly trained. Uh, second, you've got folk music, uh, which is you know a lot of people create music in social situations uh, from countries all over the world. And in America, we've got genres like bluegrass, that type of thing. And then you have popular music. And what he says in this article is quality music can be found in all three classifications. It's, it's not as if, uh, you know, fine art music is good and folk music is, is okay and popular music is bad. You can get good music in all of those categories. And I would say you can also find wrong music in all of those categories. There's definitely fine art music that is not good. I, I, I got my bachelor's degree in music composition, and there's a lot of what I learned uh, that I had to unlearn because it was, it was just full of a lot of intellectual vanity. There's certainly a lot of it that's wonderful, but you have to exercise your senses to discern good from evil. But Mr. Malone brings out that what Satan tends to exploit the most is popular music. This is the music that, that is meant to entertain and appeal to the widest audience, you know, and especially with 
all of the streaming services that we we have available and the technology that we have, this music is so easy to access. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and he knows how to broadcast his messages far and wide, and he definitely uses music, and particularly popular music, to, to do just that. He has more tools than he has ever had to get his message out. And on top of that, and you you probably know this if you've listened to the, the trumpet or you've read the trumpet for any period of time, Satan is cast down. It talks about that in Revelation 12. He's angrier than ever. And, you know, young people are among his most vulnerable targets. You really need protection from him and his broadcast. Your children really need protection from him. He wants you to just take this lightly. It's not that big of a deal. And then once he has people thinking that way, he can come after them very easily. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 11 says, If we're ignorant of Satan's devices, then he is going to take advantage of us. Every one of us has to take him seriously. Every one of us has to protect ourselves and and seek God, seek God's protection or we will be vulnerable. So when you're evaluating music, this this article from Mr. Malone uh, talks about three specific areas to consider. The first is, if there are vocals, what are the lyrics saying? What are the lyrics? You know, a lot of people say, well, I just, I don't even listen to the music. I don't even listen to the lyrics. I, I just like the music. And so, you know, I don't really care what they're, what they're singing about. That is a mistake. Those lyrics can get into your head more than you think. And first of all, if there's foul language in the music, you really need to stay away from it. There is a lot of music out there that is just filled with terribly foul language. And there's so much pop music that has lyrics that are glorifying drug use and promoting wrong relationships and defying authority and encouraging risky behavior and get into really depressing emotions and experiences, you know, pay attention to these things. What is, what is this song saying? Evaluate it, be critical, pull up the lyrics. You could, you put, plug it into a, a, a search engine and look at what the lyrics of that song are. You know, parents, you need to do this for the music that your kids are listening to so that that they're not just pouring these messages into their minds. What is it talking about? You've got to learn to make good decisions about what you're listening to and help your kids do the same thing. Don't think that it doesn't affect you. That's exactly what Satan wants you to think. Seek out uplifting music. Seek out music that elevates your mood and your your thinking. A second question to ask yourself, what is the spirit and the attitude in this music? Now this can be harder to discern, but just pay attention. There's a lot of music today that is bitter, that is angry. There's a lot of it that's suggestive and sensual. Uh, you know, there's a lot of it that just the the mood or the atmosphere of it, just the tempo, the rhythm, the style of it, 
is going to affect your emotions and, and state of mind in some really negative ways. There are a lot of studies out there that show that music has physical effects on our body, on our mind, on our circulatory system, on our immune system. There's studies that show that music can have the same habit-forming, addictive qualities that food, drugs, gambling, sex can have on us, just hitting our brains with dopamine and, and getting us addicted to it. There are a lot of young people that are addicted. Like they, they just need music on at all times. And with technology being what it is, it's very easy to do that. You've got your personal device, you've got your earbuds, you've got your Bluetooth so that you, you can have that just pumping into your head all the time. It's, it's not healthy. That is not healthy. You know, there's a lot of mental sickness in today's world, especially among young people. And you have to ask, well, how much is the music that they're putting in their minds all the time, how much is that contributing to that? What is the spirit and the attitude of the music you're listening to? Be honest about what that music is doing to you, how it affects your mood, how it affects your thinking. Philippians 4 and verse 8 says that we should think on things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So does the music that you listen to, does the music that your children listen to help you to do that? Does it help you to think on those positive things? It's, it's not that Music always has to be happy. This, this article from Mr. Malone quotes Psalm 49 and verse 4 that says, I will open my dark sayings upon the harp. You know, that music can deal with some difficult themes, uh, and music can be sad, but as this article says, it's not necessarily going to depress you. David's music was educational and helpful. But there there may be times, you know, you where you would be in more susceptible to being down and and where it would be better to stay away from music that's going to to be on those more negative themes exercise some discernment the third question that you need to ask yourself is what is the context and this this article says the discerning process goes beyond the sound of the music what is this sound packaged in what are the artists or the band's ideals? What are they promoting? What dress standards are they transmitting? What do the graphics on the album depict? Is the personal lifestyle of the artist on display? He says the per persona of popular musicians in our society is far more noticeable and persuasive, and it's designed to be. This is especially true in the case of young minds trying to identify with a certain look, style, or peer group. You know, one thing I, I just find very instructive is you just take that song, you plug it into YouTube, or you plug it into a video player, and you look at what, what's the video. What does the video look like? And you, get, you just drop any point in that video, just look through a few places, and you can tell almost instantly, what's this about? You know, what is this artist promoting? What's their lifestyle? What, what are they into? And what's the image that they're just broadcasting out there for everyone that's associated with this sound that you're hearing? It's very, very instructive. You know, if, you're, if your children like a particular band, look at a, look at a video or two 
or three and just see, well, what is this all about? It's all you need to do. Beyonce, she she became at the Grammy Awards uh, this past Sunday, she became the most awarded person in the history of the Grammys. She's she's won 32 Grammy Awards. This This woman is the peak of what the music industry celebrates. This is a woman who at the 2016 Super Bowl, you might remember this, the halftime show, she did a, a, a piece that glorified the Black Panthers. She was glorifying black power. Uh, she, this, this woman dedicated her newest album to black LGBTQ plus legends who've influenced my work. That's what she, she said. I mean, aren't these things relevant? When you're trying to decide whether to listen to this woman's music, you can you can look at this article and it talks from from Ryan Malone. It gives some more things to consider about the context, the context of uh, the music that you're listening to. I'll just finish with a, a few recommendations here. Be careful with streaming services. These streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music and Pandora, what they do is they automatically recommend or choose songs for you based on a category, based on your listening history, based on what's trending. You know, you'll listen to one song and then they'll just feed you the next one and the next one and you're off on wherever they want to take you. You're not discerning what you're listening to. You're not, you know, evaluating, well, is this really something that's good for me or not? And it can quickly take you into music you shouldn't be listening to. Like young people, if they, maybe they find a song that they kind of like and they uh, they get into, they're listening to something and maybe it's a little bit borderline. Well, on those streaming services, that can easily lead to them uh, listening to things that are not on the border. They're way over the line, things that they should not be listening to. Pay attention to those things. Be careful with those streaming services, and you might just shut off the recommended playlists and the automatically generated playlists uh, to prevent that type of thing from happening. Another recommendation that I have, and maybe this is just the old fogey in me, but pull out the earbuds. You know, a lot of young people, especially, they just love having the earbuds in, and I do not like them at all. You have a young person who's sitting there in their own world. They're tuning out everything around them. They're not interacting with their environment. And there are times when you pass someone, uh, and it's like they're 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 so unaware of the world that's going on around them, and they can be listening to anything. You know, it's just pumped into their mind uh, and what what is it what have you got there what what is it that you're just so fixated on uh, you know there may be use at times to uh, listening to a, a, an educational podcast you know listening to the trumpet daily or something like that where uh, having the earbud might be a helpful thing but I think it's also worth asking yourself are you comfortable with Silence. Are you comfortable with just the sound of the environment? You know, if you're walking outside to to listen to what's going on around you, are you comfortable with a quiet environment that enables you to hear your own thoughts? That's a really good thing to be comfortable with. 
I think a, a lot of people, they just don't want that kind of uh, isolation. They don't want the sil- silence because they don't want to be uh, thinking about things. They just want something that is, you know, keeping that stimulation up without really considering the consequences. Another recommendation that I have, parents, you make sure you look at your children's playlists. You have to do this. You have to see whether there are things there that they shouldn't be listening to. I recently spoke to the students at our K-12 through school, Imperial Academy, about this, and I challenged them, hey, show your parents your playlist. You show your parents You know, there are kids that have a secret playlist or there are things that they don't want their parents to know about. That's a it's a really common thing. And it's a it's a real problem. Uh, If a kid is listening to music that they don't want their parents to know about, that is giving the devil an opening into their thinking. And it's a lot more serious than they realize. And parents, you have to be vigilant. You have to check on those things. You have to know. What are my kids listening to? I've seen it far too many times where parents are just unaware and kids are getting into stuff that is really foul and really polluting their minds. The last recommendation I'll make is build a taste for quality music. Uh, This article by Ryan Malone has some specific suggestions. I'll read a couple of paragraphs to you. He says, listen actively to the classical radio station more often. Be discerning. Do not let the airwaves dictate what goes into your mind. When you notice things you like, ask why you like them. When you don't like something, reserve your judgment for a while and determine, well, I dislike this because it's inappropriate or because it's simply foreign to my tastes at this point. You know, I th- this whole idea of learning how to appreciate good music, I think of it very much like learning how to appreciate nutritious food. You know, if all you're used to eating is junk food, then something that is genuinely good for you, you're just not going to have the taste for it. You're, you're not going to want that. You keep reaching for the food that's bad for you. If that happens, you've got to re-educate your palate. You have to actually get used to what food should taste like. And Teach your taste buds how to enjoy that food. That's very much what we need to do with the music that we listen to. Mr. Malone continues here, buy film soundtracks that emphasize the symphony orchestra. This is a really good practical point. He says, this music is usually more accessible to the untrained ear than certain classical pieces. This genre of music helps to condition the ear to a more symphonic sound and therefore make the transition to classical music much smoother. This is what my my parents did for me when I was a kid. They bought me the uh, LPs of I had the soundtrack to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I had all these John Williams soundtracks, the the soundtrack to E.T., the soundtrack to uh, Return of the Jedi. And I mean, I absolutely loved that music. And and it really did uh, make it so that it was listening to, you know, classical music, listening to the symphony orchestra. That was uh, something I was very accustomed to growing up. Music is one of Satan's main talents. And it's also one of his main tools. And he's using it very powerfully. He's having enormous influence on the world today through the music that he promotes. 
We have to beware. We have to be aware of his devices. We can't be ignorant about that or else we're going to get taken advantage of. But if we do this right, music used properly is a force for great good. It can be a real blessing in our lives. It can really uplift us. It can make life much richer and more enjoyable. So let's use good music to invite God's presence into our lives. The voice of the Trumpet News Magazine. You're listening to Trumpet Hour. Meat is bad, say the environmentalists. They don't want you eating beef, lamb, and chicken. They want you to get your protein from worms, grubs, and beetles. Will insects soon be making their way to your dinner plate? We'll get some answers in this report from Josue Michels. Nobody will be forced to eat insects. The European Commission tweeted on its German account in January. You know it's bad if you read a statement like that. The reality is that recent regulations could make it extremely hard to avoid them. It's hard to miss the constant propaganda telling us that eating meat is bad for us and for the climate. The eating of bugs is increasingly promoted as a protein alternative. A new European Union regulation dated January 3rd now allows crickets and a crane mold beetle to be processed in food. Since 2021, the mealworm, the larva of the flower beetle and the migratory locust have received EU approval as novel foods. The EU's website informs that there are eight more applications for insects intended to be marketed in different forms. Thus more and more insects could soon make it into our cereal, meats and other foods. This legislation is enabling a creepy infiltration of our food. An EU Commission statement reads, The consumption of insects contributes positively to the environment and to health and livelihoods, the environmental benefits of rearing insects for food are founded on the high feed conversion efficiency of insects, less greenhouse gas emissions, less use of water and arable lands, and the use of insect-based bioconversion as marketable solutions for reducing food waste. End of quote. The new law says the addition of insects must be labeled close to where the ingredients are if mixed under the regular produce. Thus one could say, everyone still has the choice to eat them or not. But we should however be aware where these steps are leading. Today you can pass by the buck and vegetarian meat aisle and shake your head. 
but in the future this might get harder. Not only are those sections getting longer, but also the real meat section may soon have creepy infiltrators. Back in 2019, Fox News wrote, maggots will be added to sausage, specialty foods as meat alternative, scientists claim. Food scientists at the University of Queensland in Brisbane, Australia, were incorporating insects such as maggots and locusts into specialty foods. At what point will their experiment land on your plate? So-called meat science professor Dr. Ruos Hoffman said, quote, An overpopulated world is going to struggle to find enough protein unless people are willing to open their minds and stomachs to a much broader notion of food. Would you eat a commercial sausage made from maggots? What about other insects, larva, and even whole insects like locusts? The biggest potential for sustainable protein production lies within insects and new plant sources. End of quote. This might soon become a self-fulfilled prophecy in Europe. More and more farms are being forced to shut down to meet EU climate change regulations. It's no coincidence that more and more bugs are at the same time permitted to make it into food. The World Economic Forum found as many as five ways that eating bugs can reduce climate change. So their goal is to get as much of it into foods as they can. We are now seeing the first regulations in Europe to allow for that. If future regulations allow or even demand a certain percentage of insects in every burger sold in supermarkets, it will be tough to find 100% meat options. Growing up in Germany, I have made my own experience with trying to find 100% beef or chicken. Though I'm not a Jew by heritage or traditional belief, I do believe it necessary to follow God's laws regarding clean and unclean meats, outlined in Leviticus 11. But avoiding pork in Germany was incredibly difficult. At any local event with food carts, you can't buy a sausage or burger, all have pork in them, or if you ask about it, the sellers won't know and give you a strange look. Order a pasta or a salad, and it's sprinkled with bacon. So you have to get your own sausage from the store, but even there, you will find it hard to find one without pork as one of its ingredients. I thought about this quite a bit. Why do manufacturers do this? Maybe it's cheaper. Germany is the biggest pork producer in Europe. But given Germany's history of murdering six million Jews in just one period and persecuting and killing them in previous centuries, would it not be appropriate to at least attempt to make their life easier, but the opposite is the case. Now imagine you have to check for every insect that could be part of the food you like to purchase, or worse, you have to avoid them all because 100% meat has been outlawed. Considering today's headlines, 
This potential outcome doesn't seem far-fetched. Crickets are one of the few insects the Bible classifies as clean. The vast majority of other insects are unclean. Thus obeying these laws and living a healthy lifestyle that includes meats may become harder and harder. This trend toward demonizing meat is nothing new. In the Nazi war on cancer, Robert N. Proctor noted, quote, Nazi nutritionists mounted a frontal attack on Germans' excessive consumption of meat, sweets and fat, and argued for return to more natural foods, such as cereals, fresh fruit and vegetables, end of quote. This was part of the Nazis' effort to gain absolute control over citizens. Nazi slogans from the time read, Your body belongs to the nation. Your body belongs to the Führer. You have the duty to be healthy. Food is not a private matter. End of quote. Today they say it's for the climate. But it's the same war against meats. Last month, German international discount retailer chain Lidl announced that it will significantly reduce the proportion of animal products it offers because there is no second planet. So it's because of the environment. No matter where this trend is heading and no matter how many bucks will be in future burgers, we must see the bigger picture. We are living in a world hostile toward God and his laws. You can read that in Romans 8 verse 7. This includes God's health laws outlined in Leviticus 11. God specifically shows that the eating of certain meats is good. He also condemns the eating of certain bugs. God calls the unclean foods an abomination. Mankind today has rejected those laws and calls the abomination a delight. Anytime the Bible forbids something, mankind does it. Anytime the Bible commands something, mankind does it not. The Bible says, you shall not eat all bugs. Mankind says, and you shall eat the bugs. Though many people are upset about the bugs being apparently forced into their diet, they themselves have rejected God's laws and thus invited such curses to increasingly befall modern society. It's time for today's 
Last Word. The earthquakes from earlier this week in Turkey have truly staggered the world with the scale of destruction and suffering. In less than 24 hours, you had quakes of 7.8 magnitude, 7.7 and 6.0 that shook the Turkish city of Gaziantep. We don't even know how much death and destruction have been caused so far, but thousands of people are dead. International organizations expect to find thousands and thousands more dead in the time, in the days ahead. All because of nothing more than the fact that at 4.15 on February 6th, Monday morning, some layers of rock shifted. Why should this happen? Why should millions of people be shaken and terrified? Their homes and schools and businesses destroyed, their neighborhoods turned to rubble. Why should thousands upon thousands upon thousands of fathers and mothers and daughters, sons and brothers, sisters, grandparents, grandchildren be crushed to death? Why is our world so full of tragedy that is so senseless? Is there a God If there is, why does he allow that kind of suffering? A lot of people believe in God and they're taught that he's all-knowing, he's all-loving, he's all-powerful. But think about it. If that's true, he knows about this suffering. And if he loves those people and he has the power to stop that suffering, then why doesn't he? People have theories about why God allows suffering. But when events like this happen... People, whether they're Christian or Muslim or Jewish or some other religion, they struggle to find an explanation that rings true. Well, there is a God, and he gives us the clear, true answer in his word. And that answer totally contradicts what many religious people teach and assume and believe. We need to understand, first of all, that God is not the God of this world. Did you realize that? Have you been taught that? The Bible states that the devil is real, that he's deceived the whole world, and that he is, in fact, the God of this world. That is directly stated in the Bible. You can read that in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. Now, when you understand that, the world around you begins to make a little more sense that the God of this world is actually the devil. The Bible describes this age we live in right now as this present evil world. You can read that in Galatians 1 and verse 4. That's what it is, this present evil world. And this evil world has an evil God. Ezekiel 28 describes a magnificent archangel who was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. It says that in verse 12. Isaiah 14 tells us that God gave this angel authority to rule the earth, but then this angel turned to evil, and he tried to seize God's throne. His name was Lucifer, and then after he rebelled, God changed his name to Satan, and God cast him down to earth You can read that in Ezekiel 28, verse 16. It also talks about that in Revelation 12. This 
demon, this devil, hates human beings. God loves human beings, and if if he has the power to cast down Satan and confine him to earth, then he also has the power to protect people from disasters. So why is God allowing these disasters? Well, the answer is that he's teaching us something. All the sadness, all the misery and the tragedy that surrounds us in this world, this isn't something that we should ignore. This is something that we should face up to. It's something that we should learn from. Jesus Christ faced these facts. In his day, when he was walking this earth during his ministry, there was a building that collapsed and it tragically crushed 18 people. And this is what he said. You can read about this in Luke 13. Think you that These 18 people were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem. I tell you, no, he said, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So Jesus Christ himself directly discussed exactly the kind of devastation in the aftermath that millions of Turks and Syrians are sifting through right now. And he acknowledged that Some human beings suffer and die in seemingly senseless tragedies. And the reason that some people put forward that they're more sinful than those who continue to live, he said that is not true. But if these victims didn't commit sins that were great enough to deserve this kind of punishment, then why are they suffering? We've all been influenced by the God of this world who deceives the whole world. Romans 3 and verse 23 says that all human beings are guilty of sin. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 11 says time and chance happens to everyone. And Jesus said one way or another, we will all likewise perish unless we repent. Repenting means giving up your entire way of life and submitting to God's way of life. It means turning to the true God and allowing him to rule you. Jesus showed that the disasters that people are suffering are warnings to those who believe in God. One way or another, your brief existence will end unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. That's what these images from Turkey are teaching us if we'll recognize the lesson. The most fundamental lesson a human being can learn is to face the truth of his own helplessness apart from God. But what does that say about those who died? You might think they can't learn any lessons from their own deaths. But what does the Bible say? Ezekiel 37 and verse 5 says, Thus says the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Revelation 20 and verse 12 says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. This is the plain truth of the Bible, that all those who have died will live again. They'll be resurrected to physical life. And when they are, at that time, the God of this world will no longer be Satan the devil. It will be Jesus Christ. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. So to summarize, Satan is the God of this world. God allows him to inflict suffering and death to teach a valuable eternal lesson to those who will repent. 
And in the future, God will replace Satan as ruler over the world. He'll resurrect those who have died and he'll give them the opportunity to repent and to share a relationship with him. Why does God allow suffering? This is God's answer from the Bible. Repentance is the most important lesson you can learn. Begin your journey toward repentance and a relationship with God by reading Gerald Flurry's free booklet, Repentance Toward God. I'm Joel Hilliker, and that will do it for today's Trumpet Hour. You can send me any thoughts on today's program to letters at thetrumpet.com. Thanks to my guest, Josue Michels. Thanks to Nick Irwin and Jesse Hester for engineering and production. I'll leave you with this thought from Thomas Sowell. Have we reached the ultimate stage of absurdity where some people are held responsible for things that happened before they were born? while other people are not held responsible for what they themselves are doing today? Thank you for joining us on Trumpet Hour. Until next time, keep watching your world. You've been listening to Trumpet Hour on Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG, and online at kpcg.fm. Understand your world.